0: Fear, an unpleasant or disturbing feeling caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Fear, some say, is the opposite of faith. Fear is not of God. In his letter to Timothy, Paul writes, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. As we enter the Advent season, we are reminded that the fears we face are not new. Three times we are encouraged in the account of Jesus' birth to fear not. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was betrothed to be married. She had dreamt of children, had hoped for a family, yet God interrupted her plans. Unfulfilled hopes often lead to fear, but Mary was about to learn where true hope is found. In Luke, the angel went to her and said, "'Greetings, you who are highly favored, "'the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. This mirrors the words spoken to the prophet in Daniel 10 19. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. <clears throat> when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak my Lord, since you have given me strength. The very nature of our need for hope implies we find ourselves in situations that create fear in our lives. This first Sunday of Advent, we light this candle as a reminder that the words to Mary and to Daniel, God also speaks to us through Christ. Fear not, you have found favor with God.
1: That you feel the good news this morning that your king has come I hope that you found yourself somewhere in that last song whether you're weary broken hurting feeling like an outcast lonely perhaps I hope that you find yourself in there and know that your king has come to give you hope Um. I'm just gonna give you a fair warning. These next two songs aren't technically Christmas songs, and that's okay, because we live in this day and age of technology where you can leave this place and go listen to whatever you want. Isn't that cool? Um, But I wanna challenge you to find Christmas in these songs, because it's there. Because Jesus didn't just come and stay in a manger. Babies don't keep, do they? They grow and praise the good Lord, that they grow and then walk in purpose in conformity to his will if we let him, right? And Jesus had a purpose and it was to come and to save you. And this cross here, that's the symbol. He came in a manger for the cross for you and for me. So let's continue praising him this morning for the hope that he's given every one of us.
2: Shit.
3: this morning Father. The season Lord that we find ourselves in is a great time for us to be reminded how much you love us of this plan and purpose Lord that you've put in place for us. Lord in our, our humanness, our maybe perhaps father, even in our shallow thinking, we tend to place our hope in things like the weather, the stock market, whether or not our favorite team wins a game or makes a basket. We put our hope, Lord, in even other people. Often, we're only to find ourselves disappointed. And God, today, today, Lord, we're reminded of a hope that's still alive. Lord, our joy is not predicated on the things that happen around us in this world, Lord, but rather it comes from you, an unbreakable hope, a, a hope that matters, Hope that makes a difference. Hope that is an anchor, Father, for us. The words you spoke to Mary so many long, years ago, Lord, you speak to us this morning, fear not. We don't have to be afraid we heard from the words of the prophet that Emmanuel will come, that God will be with us, Lord, and that this is going to change everything. Lord, you are still with us. Of what do we need to be afraid? Of what else could we possibly place our hope in that would matter and make a difference? Father, I pray for those today that are carrying fears with them. And may they be reminded during this Advent season, this time of preparation. Uh, the preparation is not about gifts or decorations. It's not about parties. It's not about cards that we send in the mail. This time of preparation is to put ourselves in a place where we're ready to celebrate that which you've given. Well, not to miss it. To be overwhelmed by the fears of our culture and our world recognize that you're right beside us. In you, God, may we place our hope. In you, Father, there, there, there's hope for those that are sick, those that are affirmed, those who need a healing touch. There's hope, Father, for those that are grieving and feel alone. That There's hope, Father, that find themselves in the midst of broken relationships that need reconciliation. There's hope, Lord, when we find ourselves in, in financial need. Lord, there is hope to be found in you. Lord, turn our eyes back to the one whom our joy comes. May we not miss it. May we not miss what it was you were doing in Mary's life that night. And what is you desire to do in our lives today? Father, we thank you. May we not lose sight of you. May you draw us close. Remind us, God, that you are still with us.
2: Everything inside me cries for order. This time you've hit
3: Imagine for a moment what Mary must have been feeling when that angel first showed up. respond the way that she did really reveals a level of maturity that surpassed her years, and perhaps that's why when God looked upon her, he saw someone that he favored. Favor is a powerful word we'll talk about today and probably all throughout this season. But favor comes out of in Mary's life in this moment uh, as a result of having to face or confront fear. She's commanded to fear not. When the angels first burst onto the scene in Luke and in Matthew. We know in scripture from past behavior that God is up to something big. But fear itself is an unpleasant thing. It's often a strong emotion that's caused by or anticipating or becoming aware of. Imminent danger. Something negative, something bad, something overwhelming is about to happen. And in us, this response that's generated, this, this unknown, we define as being afraid or being fearful. Now, As a child, we can kind of look back at our, some of our kids or even as when we were kids and, and laugh at some of the fears that perhaps we had. We wanted the closet door left open because you don't know what was hiding inside or you wanted mom and dad to look under the bed or, or perhaps as you have grown older, you were uh, afraid of spiders, we're afraid of the dark, we're afraid of heights. I don't mind heights so much. It's the falling part that I'm afraid of. But but fear are, are things that are taught. Uh, we, we are taught to be afraid of certain things. It's not something that we're inherently afraid of. We have to learn fear. So of all the things we pass on to our children, fear is perhaps one of the negative things. Well, there's certainly things we want them to stay away from for their own safety and benefit. Those are healthy fears. Fears can protect us in, in the right environment. They're they, they Not uh, in a positive way, but they help us avoid something negative. But there's also some funny fears that are out there. Perhaps if you have some of these, I certainly do apologize ahead of time. I'm not trying to make light of your fears. But I thought these fears were interesting. Things that you may not recognize that people are fearful of. Syngenesophobia, perhaps. If you are a then you have a fear of relatives. And every year when that family reunion comes up, you just start to quiver and quake and try to find something else to do because you don't want to be with certain family members. Now so Maybe there's a good reason for that. But if you're syngenesophobic, you don't like to go to those family reunions. Perhaps you're arachibutaphobic. Arachibutaphobic? Something means you're afraid of peanut butter getting stuck to the roof of your mouth. I can understand that. It's really hard to talk when people are talking to you now. Peanut butter. Of all things to be afraid of, peanut butter. Or pentherophobia. Now, this could be one, I might be stepping on some toes here this morning. If you were pantherophobic and you're afraid of your mother in law. And perhaps for good reason. I don't know. I love my mother in law. Uh, she's the best, and I don't say that just because she says I'm her favorite son in law. She does say that because I'm the only son-in-law, <laughs> but, but uh, we we just put that aside. But maybe you're pantherophobic. Um, and this one, I think, um, really would, would speak to some really deep-rooted issues. If you're adidi- uh, boy, you're just afraid of what that duck is thinking when he stares at you. You don't like to be looked at by ducks. I'm not sure where they come up with some of these things. We, we, we have this tendency, don't we, in our lives to be, become afraid of the, of the strangest things, fear. Funny when we're kids, perhaps look back upon them, but now that we're grown up, adults, perhaps teenagers, our fears begin to change. They start to look a little different. They dress up differently. We have fears of the economy, we have fears perhaps of, of our jobs, or losing our jobs, or of high interest rates, or never owning a home. Perhaps you have a fear of relationships, or not having, finding the right one, or you're worried about your health, or the health of a loved one, where we're worried about different things, and in that worry, we create opportunity for fear to just come flooding in. And right now, you're thinking about those things in your life that you are afraid of. What Satan does, he reminds us of those inadequacies, of those, those gaps those spots in our eyes where we haven't fully surrendered, where we don't fully trust, where fear takes root. Perhaps you're worried about, if you're a parent or a grandparent, the decision that your children or your grandchildren are making. Don't you find that funny? We always tell our kids, we just learn from our mistakes. Learn from our experiences. The problem is, we didn't learn from our moms and dads' mistakes. The, the thing about mistakes is we have to go through them individually for them to really take root. But we worry about what's going to happen when our children are left to make their own decisions. Perhaps you're worried about the Middle East and and, and what we're seeing happening in Israel and Gaza. As a dad whose son is about to be deployed, I, I worry, I'm fearful of that. Fear comes in different shapes and sizes. Perhaps uh, for you, it's the upcoming elections in this next year. Uh, for, for me, it, it's that it's, it's, it Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing what he said he would do in the, in the movie, and he's coming back, and, and AI is starting to have this resurgence in our world. And machines are going to take over, and you're not even going to need a pastor before too long. AI can do all the preaching for you. Not really. I think the spirit's pretty involved in that, that's something a machine can never tap into. But fierce. It looks so different yet yeah, we all have them it's a very powerful thing and some would say that fear is the opposite of faith that that was a mantra a line that you may have heard during covid that we went through just a few years ago and i felt at times it was misused while there is some truth to it, it, it we can also use it in a negative way to pr- provide fear on the other end. Well, you're just not being faithful enough if you're letting giving into your fears There's this balance between wisdom and fear and and acting in in a way that's wise and acting in a way that's fearful, and we're not going to get all of that this morning, but faith is a part of the conversation, because fear is in itself a form of faith, putting faith in the worst-case scenario, putting faith in something else that you hope will happen instead of trusting God and relying upon what he has ordained and what he will bring about. The fear is not of God. Fear creeps in in the absence of God. We read in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, this this verse, if you will, that we're going to focus on during the Advent season, where where God tells the prophet to, to, to do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous hand. And if you keep reading in the book of Isaiah in chapter 41, we see this happen over and over and over again. God is telling the prophet, don't be afraid. Look what I've done for you. Look what I'm going to continue to do for you. I'm the Lord your God. I will take you by your right hand, it says, "Do not fear I will help you. Do not be afraid, a worm, Jacob. You're just a worm. I'm God. I'm going to take care of you. Don't be afraid. so easy to hear, though, much harder to apply. As we enter into this Christmas season, we're going to spend time each week on portions of this story where we see three different occasions where God tells those that are listening, those people that are part of the story, to fear not. For I am with you. Each command speaks to us differently. Each one that hears it, that speaks to different fears that we perhaps are going through or facing in our own lives today. But we're going to be reminded this season together that God is still with us. If we grab hold of that truth of what could we possibly be afraid? Luke chapter 1, we see Mary. We know her. We know her story. She was the mother of Jesus. But before that, she was just a teenage girl. She was dating this cute guy. His name was Joseph. They were in the midst of a courtship of sorts. And, and as a father, uh, he, he, was, he had entered into a commitment with Joseph. And, and then the commitment began the season of betrothal. And when that happened, Mary starts to, starts to dream a little bit, as I'm sure every young teenage girl did, imagining what the, her life was going to look like. Uh, here was Joseph, a hardworking carpenter, just to begin to imagine what their home would look like. Uh, what, what their engagement season was going to look like. They, they had the date booked at the Bethlehem Wedding Chapel. They, they were all getting excited about these dreams that Mary had, what her future was going to be like. Even in this day and age and culture where uh, Roman occupation was, was, was oppressive and, and life it was hard to find hopeful moments, I'm sure in Mary's life, this was one of those seasons. She was beginning to dream a little bit. She was beginning to make plans. Where were they going to live? Maybe when are we going to start a family? How many kids are we going to have? When are we going to have that first baby? She begins to formulate, if you will, a plan. She's making this plan, and then all of a sudden, God shows up and interrupts her plans. Why does God do that? Doesn't he know that we've got things all figured out? We can come up with these great plans on our own, and we kind of know what it is that we want, When he shows up and interrupts our plans, he interrupts Mary's plans, he interrupts our plans even yet today, and perhaps we find ourselves asking why. And the why is simple. God's purpose is often very different from our plans. God has a purpose for our lives, not just a plan for our lives. His ways are higher than ours. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we begin to see God reveal his purpose for Mary's life. We read in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a village village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could possibly mean. The New Living Translation, I I chose that this morning because I like the phrase that we see when Mary hears this proclamation from the angel, she's confused and disturbed, as I think each one of us would be. Confused. Wait a minute. Why me? What are you going to ask me to do? What could you possibly expect from me? I'm just a girl. I'm just an, I live in Bethlehem. I'm engaged to a, a, a carpenter. What, what are you talking about? But She wasn't just confused. Scripture tells us she was disturbed. And the word that Luke chooses to describe what Mary's feeling is a Greek word, diatraso. Diatraso means to agitate greatly, to trouble, or to disturb wholly. She is from the inside out just messed up in what she's just now heard. She's just quaking, she's just twisted. All oh, none of this makes sense, it's been shaken up, and now she just can't find any sense of peace. She's really bothered by this. And then we tend to read through scriptures as if she hears this proclamation from the angel and just instantly is like, oh, okay, I'll do that, God. Sign me up. The reality is we see the emotion in the words that Luke uses. And this proclamation of the good news, which we know it as now, was not good news in that moment to Mary. She wasn't just confused. She was like, not like this, God. Don't mess with my plans. It bothered her from the inside out. And perhaps right now you're thinking about the ways that God has shown up in your life and, it, and at first you found it bothersome. And maybe the whole idea of faith is one that bothers you. The, the, the first, this idea of surrender should bother us. Because it's, it's God interrupting, God stepping into to our selfishness or the way that we've chosen to live life and says, I've got a different way for you. We may not like that because we, in that we're thinking of all the things we're going to lose, all the things we might have to give up, instead of recognizing what it is that God's offering. He interrupts our plans to introduce a purpose. And too often we miss it because we're so married to our plans that we miss out on what God has for us. We all can relate to God's interruptions. There's there's countless stories in this place this morning when God's interrupted us. What we call as disturbing interruptions, God calls divine invitations. How many times has God invited you to something different? And you've just said, oh, Lord, I'm not so sure. Or you've been disturbed by what he's inviting you to. Or you've looked at the invitation and said, but that's not what I had planned. And we try to find this way to walk both sides of the story. We love the idea that God invites us to something. We also like our plans. We try to live life on both sides, and it just doesn't work that way. We learn that through Mary. Mary knew there was no halfway to what God was inviting her to do. When God says, I'm inviting you into my purpose... We need to make sure that our response isn't, but Lord, you're interrupting my plans." Telling us to fear not. Fear not now. Just as he said to Mary, fear not then. Don't worry about what you might lose. You should be more concerned about what you're going to miss out on, the purpose I have for you. We see it all throughout Scripture. God interrupted Moses with a burning bush. Deliver my people. Moses wasn't looking to do that, but God showed up and invited him to something bigger. God interrupted David while tending his sheep. He anointed him to become king. David was just a shepherd boy. He became so much more. He was a man after God's own heart. God interrupted Saul on the road to Damascus with a bright light. He became Paul and one of the greatest missionary the world's ever known. God interrupts our plans because that often he has a purpose for us. And too often we settle for the plans and we miss out on the purpose. Have you discovered God's purpose for your life today? Have you been settling for too little? Does God have more for you? Perhaps you're thinking of an interruption even right now. You thought you knew what you wanted. You had a plan to marry someone, but God had someone else. You thought you were going to go to this school or have this type of career, but God had a different direction. Perhaps you're going to live in this type of house or in this type of community or have this type of dog, and God just happened to change your mind. Or maybe he's still trying to change your mind. See, God doesn't just deal in plans, he deals in purposes. He has a purpose for our church. I believe that there's going to be practical parts of that purpose that'll look like a plan, but at the end of the day, we're going to be pursuing his purpose, not just the plans of men. See, God's still interrupting his people, and I am so glad for that. Confused and disturbed, Mary then tried to think, what could the angel possibly mean? Many of us try to do the same thing. She was trying to figure out what the angel was talking about. And what we realize and what we learn through Mary is that we don't don't always have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. When we try to understand it, it points back to the reality that we maybe are not fully trusting in him. trust is this letting go of our need to understand and still be willing to obediently follow, to go where his purpose might lead us. Verse 30 of of Luke chapter 1, so the angel speaks. Mary's wondering, so the angel answers. says, don't be afraid. you found favor with God. Favor, what what a beautiful word. And and favor doesn't mean I'm just going to do something nice for you. Favor in this context means a demonstrated delight. God looks at you, Mary, and he is just delighted in what he sees. He's delighted in the person that you are. It's a visible evidence of God's undeserving blessing poured out upon his children. Favor could could be material, could be financial. Favor could also be that people like you. You have good relationships, you have good health. In Luke 2 chapter: 252, we see Jesus, after he's born, he grows up, we see he grew in wisdom and stature, and favor with God and all people. He grew in favor. He was, he was a delight to be around. God wanted to be with Mary. Are you someone God wants to be with? He does want to be with all of He loves us. But there is a point that we see in Scripture when you live life in such a way that God delights in you. God delight in you today. I have a feeling that's a pretty easy question for many of us to answer. And if we can't answer it, the question then becomes, why not? What is it that we're choosing to do? What plans are we pursuing? What is it in our lives that we haven't let go of that's maybe causing some hesitation or preventing God's favor from being recognized in our life? And this word "favor," dig a little bit deeper. If you look it up in Luke, Luke again wrote his his, his gospel in Greek. And what we see in Luke chapter 1, in verse 30, you found favor. is a Greek word, hopefully this is familiar to you, charis. We just talked about charis just a few weeks ago when we talked about Thanksgiving. The word for favor is the word charis, meaning that if you put the word grace, Mary, you have found grace with God. You, you have found, you've grew in grace in Luke two fifty two Jesus. And what this is talking about is you are the source of joy. You're the source of delight. You're the source of pleasure, of this godly expression that is manifested in our lives. That is all birthed in grace. I don't think it's a coincidence that we find the word favor being defined as grace. It's a beautiful thing when you start to see what God's trying to do in our lives. And I hope that each one of us want to be found with, to have favor with God. I I want God to look upon me with favor. I want God's favor in my life. We we should desire that. The angel then continues, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. You found favor with God and because of that, here's now what's going to happen to you. And I can just imagine her eyes getting bigger as the angel's speaking. Whoa. That's certainly not what I had planned. How do I explain that one? Now there's new fears starting to rise up immediately. She knows the law. She knows what would happen if, if she's found to be pregnant without a husband. She knows what the law says could, could happen to her parents. And she, she knows what all of this means. And this is not good news to her in this moment. But she receives it angel continues, hopefully in encouraging words, he will be very great, he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, that's something positive, I guess, Mary's thinking. That's kind of exciting. Now in the moment she realizes, I'm going to give birth to the son of God. That's a lot of responsibility for a teenager. And that was more than she was planning for. But God had a purpose, not a plan. See, sometimes God's favor doesn't seem favorable at first. Sometimes what is, we, we call favor seems like something negative or, or overwhelming or even scary. And in this moment, I, I can't help but think of the fears that Mary was experiencing. When I was, uh, years ago when I was a chemist, um, long time ago, (laughs) much longer than I care to admit now, there was a season where we we knew God was transitioning us, where where God had a purpose for for, for our lives. And at the time I was driving about 50 minutes a day to get to work. We were living um, in the town where Amy's parents were were pastoring in, in Ohio and I was driving south to Cincinnati every day and it was getting to be a lot, and I knew that God had a transition in our lives coming soon, but I hadn't prepared for ministry. I thought there was going to be a window of time of getting ready. So I, I was starting to look around for other jobs that were close by, and I came across this job just 10 minutes from our house, and, and I went and I, I interviewed for this job. And if you're going to an interview, you're like, well, that was a home run. About halfway through, I start interviewing them. I'm asking them questions about uh, their, their processes and what they were trying to do. It was still in the same field that I was in. And by the end of the conversation, they were talking about salary packages and that they couldn't match what I was making previously, but they were stock options, and they were trying to creatively come up with this plan. And as, as, as I left the interview, I thought, this job's mine. I, I, this, this is mine. I, I, have, I have got this. And I had this plan in my mind of what I was going to do. I was going to work for here, here locally at this company for a couple of years, uh, get, get my ministry training, and then then God would provide an opportunity for us. At the same time, where I was working was providing... Um, they were trying to reduce headcounts, so they were offering buyouts. I hadn't been there very long, but, but I went and took a buyout. And you had to have a buyout by a certain date. I went and followed, I signed up for the buyout. And so essentially I got paid to leave. I was going to leave anyway eventually, but I wasn't quite ready then, because I knew I was going to get this other job. So I took my buyout. And I waited for a phone call that never came. I mean, Lord... I have this plan. I was, I was going to work this out, and I, I was left thinking, "Lord, what are you up to? What's what's going on?" I, I thought this is what you had for us, and and it it wasn't making sense, and it was it was really un, unsettling in a lot of ways. And then and then one day I got a phone call from a pastor, uh, a little bit um, west of where we were at, about forty five minutes the other direction, and he wanted to sit down and talk and. We had lunch one day, and that led to another conversation, led to a board interview, and led to an invitation to join him on staff at a church outside in or a suburb of Dayton. And here's the beautiful part of the story. That wasn't what I planned, but it, because of, of the timing of the other idea that I thought I had, and signing up to take the buyout when I did, when the time came to go say yes to this other church that offered me now a new position, I was able to go, and they were paying me to go to another church that I would have missed out on. And I waited for the church to call. See, God in his goodness paid me $10,000 to go to leave a company and to go work at a church. Isn't he great? And then not only that, because I took the buyout, the company gave me $5,000 for continuing education. They paid for my first two years of ministry schooling. It was awesome. God had a purpose in mind, and I just had plans And sometimes he interrupts us and does things differently than maybe we think that he should or what's best. And while it can be confusing, we have to surrender ourselves because in God's favor often doesn't seem favorable at first. And in that season of waiting, it's very uncomfortable. We become very uncertain of what he's up to. The angel says to Mary, you're going to have a baby. Mary asked in verse 34, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I, I, I'm, I'm young, but I know how this stuff works. It's not just impossible, it's absurd. This, isn't, this has never happened before. I know I'm young and naive, but this, this isn't how it works. And we see in verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. No word from God will ever fail. The angel continues in verse 37. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. The Holy Spirit's going to do the work. You're just going to be this vessel. And God's got a purpose for your life, Mary. Whatever might be weighing on you this morning, whatever dreams that you're afraid may not come true, or whatever plans that you have that you don't think are going to see themselves through and become... Reality, whatever nightmares uh, that you might be having that you're afraid will come true, whatever plans you've made that God might be interrupting, whatever calling He might be placing in your life today, it doesn't have to be a ministry calling. God calls us to different things. What plans God may be asking you to give up in order to become part of this purpose, we need to be willing to put those on the table. Say, Lord, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to surrender my plans for your purpose. What invitation are we ignoring? that's interrupting something significant in our lives. Perhaps God's put a burden on your heart he wants you to respond to in our community, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Maybe God's wanting you to start a ministry, to change careers, to go back to college, to reach out to someone who's hurting, or to help to restore a relationship that's broken. What is it God's wanting you to do? What purpose does he have for you beyond your plan? We've got to look beyond ourselves, beyond what well what we've put on paper, what we've put into motion, to recognize that God has something bigger for us. For each one of us. Perhaps that might mean getting out of a relationship that you're in that's not honoring God. That might mean swallowing our pride and mending a relationship that's broken with a loved one, with a friend, with a coworker. That might mean giving up our right to be right in order to fulfill God's purpose. Maybe we choose to believe in God's healing. Maybe God's calling you to witness to a friend who needs to know who Jesus is. What is the purpose he has for you? Are we willing, as as Dwayne Mills reminded us several months ago, to put our yes on the table before God even asks the question? Surrender our plans for his purpose. An angel tells a teenage girl to fear not. You have found favor with God. You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world, and Mary responds, ultimately... After dealing with her confusion and being disturbed, she responds, as we all should, in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant. I, I, I am, I am s- servant to him. I am in servitude. I am surrendered. I, I, I am just letting go of my plans, my dreams, my hopes. And I'm putting them fully in your hands. Hands, God. May your word to me be fulfilled. And in her response, we see that Mary, this teenage girl, realizes two things. Obedience is our responsibility, but the outcome is God's responsibility. We obey. We leave the outcome up to him. We see a parallel to this in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 10, verse 19 and Daniel's been praying for three weeks that God would meet a need, and he's wondering why God is delaying or tearing in his answer. And finally, God shows up and says to Daniel, do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Peace, be strong now, be strong. And we read in Daniel, when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since you've given me strength. Speak. See, Daniel, he's waiting on God to fulfill his purpose. Mary had her plans interrupted. So both the message was the same, do not be afraid. You who are favored, you who are esteemed. The word esteemed in the Hebrew means hamad. Hamad means to desire, to delight. For in this context, the Daniel means precious. The message to God, to the one that God favors, to the one God esteems is the same. You don't need to be afraid. I'm with you. I'm right here, and I've got a purpose that I'm working out through you. See The difference for us is that the good news for Mary is still good news for us. We don't need to fear because God is with us. We don't need to be dismayed because he is still our God. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us with his mighty, righteous hand. Whatever it is you're facing today, whatever fears you're struggling with, whatever mother-in-laws you might have to confront later this afternoon, or peanut butter sandwich you might eat later this evening, we don't have to be afraid of what might happen. We don't have to be afraid of plans that will be going fulfilled. When we surrender ourselves to God's purpose, everything else tends to fall into place after that. First, we have to let go. First, we have to claim and grab hold of the truth that God, as He was with Mary, is still with us. And we recognize that the, the, the command that He gives, and that's what it is, it's a command to fear not. Is something that is possible for those who have found favor with God. When we get to that point, our response is that of Mary. I'm the Lord's servant. and your word to me be fulfilled. There's beauty in the song that was shared with us earlier. Mary let go of her dreams, let go of the things that she put her hopes in, fully surrendered herself to the Lord. She had to to do what she did, to be who she was, there was no other option. But God knew that before he went to her. He saw the type of person she was. He saw what she would do with the gift that he was giving. And I think when God comes to us, we need to recognize that he's already seen in us something that he sees of value and, and that's important. When he offers us a purpose, because he sees something in us that we may not yet see ourselves? we find comfort in our plans. We find safety in our plans. We, we find hope in our plans. But this Advent season, God invites us to look beyond the plans and grab hold of his purpose and recognize that he sees something in us. The next time God shows up, says, greetings, you who are highly favored, you who are esteemed. And our ears perk up a little bit we get a little bit excited about what God might be introducing us or inviting us into. Not be afraid. to surrender and to give fully to him. I don't know what you're afraid of today, but we don't have to. His words to Mary, are his words to us, you're not. I am with you. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you that the good news for Mary was, is still good news for us. Thank you, God, that we don't have to be afraid. I watch the news, Lord. I, I see what's going on around us. I see the things that we tend to place our hope in, how, how easily, Lord, they're disrupted. How easily, Lord, they're toppled. Be it the real estate market, be it the stock market, be, be it the idea of, of being a, a world away from war, from fighting. Even in our context, Lord, of, of being in a, a community, Lord, that's kind of a, away from, from the, the, these hotbeds of, of, of protests and, and upheaval we see even in our country, even right now. We seem sheltered in a lot of ways. And because of the distance, we, we might not feel the pressure or the fears that others uh, we see on television so readily face all the time. Lord we have fears nonetheless I pray this morning Lord we hear you as Mary did through the words of Gabriel that we would fear not I pray this morning Lord if, we, if we're not living a life that you would look upon with delight favor that you your Holy Spirit would convict us of that and we would be willing to answer why not I pray father this morning if we're living life for our plans and have not yet even thought about the idea of your purpose, That we might listen a little bit more intently what you have for us. That whole idea of even letting go of the things we find comfort in is disturbing. But Lord, doesn't that ultimately speak to where we've put our faith? Doesn't that ultimately, God, reveal where it is and who it is and whom we trust? I pray, Father, that our trust would be in you. Lord, that our faith would not be defined by fear. Lord, we would obey, obey this command when you tell us to fear not. God, when you're with us, of what do we need to be afraid of? What could possibly, God, turn our eyes from you? Lord, this season, we see the decorations, the trees, the lights. We plan for the parties and, and the festivities. Lord, I pray that all of it, while it wouldn't be a distraction, Lord, but it would be a reminder that we don't need to be afraid. That God is with us. In you, Lord, we find to place our hope. Father, we just thank you for the reality and the truth that you are still right here, ready to receive those who would just be willing to become your servant. Fathers, in Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Go with us, Father, I pray. We leave our fears behind. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Leave your fears here. God's still in control. He's still with you. Have a great afternoon.